Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I love those so much. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Hey, who's excited to be in church today? Come on, gathering together in person or online. We are so glad that you took some time out and really feel honored that you would share your time with us this weekend. My name is Colby. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, either here in person or online, just let me say welcome. We are in this series called Family Vacation, where we are talking about uh, the family and how we should grow great families. In fact, week one, we talked a lot about uh, what that looks looks like to be homegrown, that there are some things that you can only learn and grow inside of a family. Last week we talked about technology. That was a lot of fun. I think I made a lot of people mad last week. This week we're going to talk about friends. And we're going to talk about having the right friends in our lives because how many of you know the right friends can make you and the wrong friends can break you? Who knows that in this room to be true? I want to talk about it in, in kind of regards to the idea of going to the beach Whenever we would go to the beach on vacation or for spring break, something like that, you only took your closest friends. In fact, we would leave college. I went to Asbury University and we would leave there uh, after classes on Friday and drive to like Tampa overnight because, you know, we just wanted to get out to the beach. They were some of the best times with some of the, the best friends. And I think even in this, this day and age of, of technology where people are more connected now than ever, there is an epidemic going on. And I'm not talking about the coronavirus. What I'm talking about is the epidemic of loneliness of people that don't have great friends in their life. They did a recent poll of Americans and 50% of Americans said they were lonely. 50%. That's over half of the United States, people that say they feel lonely. They pulled kids, kids feel lonely. Um, middle-aged, you know, parents, they feel lonely. Elderly people feel lonely. Teenagers feel lonely. Even with all the technology, all the ways that we're connected, people feel lonely. How crazy is that? Over half of us feel lonely. It's an epidemic. In fact, if you go over to... Um, Across the sea, uh, the, in Great Britain, the, the citizens there say that 68% of them feel lonely. In fact, it's such an epidemic that the, the Prime Minister of Great Britain appointed a new cabinet a position called the Minister of Loneliness just last year. Like, I'm serious, it's not a joke. People are lonely. There's this epidemic going on, and God's Word has a lot to say about loneliness. Uh, in fact, starting in the second chapter of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. After creating the heavens and the earth and saying, all oh, this is good, that's good, that's good, that's good, the one thing he said that wasn't good, the very first thing was that we are alone. God's design for you is not for you to be lonely. In fact, if you feel loneliness in your life, you should know that that's not God's plan for you, that we are created in the image of a God who, who created us as relational beings, social beings, and because of that, we are better together than we are apart. We were meant to do life with one another, not to be lonely. And so this week, I looked at a ton of scripture 
And I'm going to fly through a lot of scripture. I would encourage you to take out your, your notes, take out whatever it is that you, you write things on, and maybe just jot down some of these references that I'll give you today. But I literally went through hundreds of verses about loneliness, about friendship, about friendliness, because it is so important for us to have friends in our life, not just for our happiness, but for our health. In fact, one study showed that the fewer friends you have, the more, like the sooner you are likely to die. So you better find some friends fast, right? Come on, somebody. You better get some friends in your life. Write this down. Friends make us or break us. And we know that's true, that the friendships in our life really determine the, the fruitfulness of our life. Someone once said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I can boil this down into a few different categories or levels of friends. In fact, I want to throw this graph up here. That we all have these, these spheres of influence. And we have, generally speaking, casual friends. And we have, have close friends. Uh, and casual friends are the people in your life that are there as the result of the circumstances in your life. So because of where you work or because of where you go to school, these aren't people that you know really well. It's just people you're connected with because of the result of the circumstances of your life. Maybe you're connected to, uh, you know, other parents because your kids play soccer together, you know, on the same team. Those are casual friendships, but then we have close friends. And our close friends should not be the result of circumstances. They should be the result of choice, of choice. In other words, your close friends should not be accidental. They should be intentional. And you should choose them wisely because you can't be close to everybody. Hey, true or false, the closer I am to people in my life and the closer they are to me, the more influence and impact they have in my life. Is that true or false? It's true. Like, the, the, it's obviously true. The closer you are, right, the more influence they're going to have on you and the more influence you will have on them. So if that's true, then they better be influencing you for good and for God. Your best friends better make you better, all right? That's what we're talking about. Your best friends in life, the, the core people in your life better make you better. Proverbs twelve twenty six says this. The righteous choose their friends carefully. You're selective about it. You don't just arbitrarily, you know, pick someone to be close to you. You choose carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Uh, I want to give you kind of three different things that I want to talk about today. If friends make us or break us, first I want to look at the friendships in your life that break us. Because God's word has a lot to say about the kinds of people that we should avoid, friends that will break us. But he also says a lot about the kinds that will make us, the kind that will pick us up. So we're going to look at the friends that make us, and then we're also going to look at how you can become a great friend. Because you attract people who are, are like you, and if you want great friends, you yourself have to become a great friend. So when it comes to the people in our life, Again, there's those three spheres of influence. Throw that back up there. And of course, the, the, the casual friends are the friends that there are more of those in our life. That would also be called the crowd. And we'll, we'll represent it this way. Since we are at a beach and this is a beach party. Come on, let's throw that first ball out here. Boom, sucker. This ball will represent your casual friends. It's big, right? There's, there's a lot of them in your life. And because there's so many of them, you don't spend a lot of time with them. 
And because you don't spend a lot of time with them, they don't have that much influence in your, your life, right? They don't get much of your attention. They don't get much of your time. And say that they don't influence you that much, and you also don't influence them that much either. This would be your, your largest group. This would be the crowd or the casual friends. And the next group, you know, is, is smaller. If that just flies off the stage, just kick it back up. It's fine. This is your, your close friends. There's fewer of these. And because there's fewer of these, then you spend more time with them, right? And if you spend more time with them, then they have more influence in your life. They have a more uh, impact in your life. And you also have more of an impact, that's gone, in their life. But I want to focus on and talk about today this group right here. Hit me up. Your core. Your core is small. And it's small intentionally. Your core could be three or four people maybe that, that, that do life with you. And because of the small kind of group of your core, then they have a high level of influence in your life. And you have a high level of influence in their life. By the way, this model right here, this is exactly what Jesus did. Like Jesus had the crowd of people around him that he would feed. That's the, the 5,000. Uh, he trained 120, but then he had 12, right, that were close, 12 that were disciples. And then he also had three that he mentored, Peter, James, and John. So this is the model of Jesus. Was Jesus playing favorites? Yes, absolutely. He actually spent the maximum amount of time with the people who would bear the, the maximum responsibility. It goes later on in, in Scripture. Paul says in Galatians that Peter, James, and John were the pillars of the church. And so he invested a lot of time in those guys. Those guys, Peter, James, and John, got to see uh, the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They got to be his special prayer team in the garden together. He, they were there when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so he spent more time with those guys. And because of that, he had a greater influence on their life. Are you following me? And so it's, it's kind of these levels that we need to look at. And I would, I would encourage you today, go back and, and write out these circles and maybe identify who's in your core. Who are those people that are closest to you? Because here's what I know. Um, if you'll discover, if you write this out, who's in your core, you'll discover uh, that some of you are very stressed out. And the reason you're stressed out in life is because you have more VDPs in your core than VIPs. You know the difference? VIPs in your life are very influential people. Uh, they, they, they kind of influence you. They, they inspire you, very inspiring people. VDPs are very draining people. And some of you, if you have more VDPs than VIPs in your core, that's called stress, church, all right? That's when you get stressed out. That's when you get tired. So you need to go back and you need to identify and write out who's in my core, and then maybe, you know, should they be there? And maybe ask the question, are there other people that should be in my core? So we're going to cover these areas today. And I first want to talk about the, the people that break us. There are several different kinds of people that, that break us, that, that pull us down. How many of you know the, the wrong people can pull you down with you? You guys know that? Right, if, for example, if I'm on this platform, is it easier for someone to pull me down or for me to pull them up? 
down, right? It's gravity, it's leverage, and the same is true for the wrong people that are in your life. It's easier for them to pull you down to their level, and the Bible talks a lot about the kinds of people that will break us, the kinds of people that will pull us down. I'm not gonna give you an exhaustive list. I'm gonna give you five of the kinds that, that we might want to avoid in our lives as our close kind of core influencers. There are more, in fact, just look at the book of Proverbs if you want the entire list of people that will pull you down. Number one is the arguer. Write that down. The arguer, how many of you know that there are some people just love to argue? It's like they live for it. They just feed off of it. All they want to do is argue. They're always against something. They have this warrior kind of, of mentality, this warrior spirit in them. God says, don't hang out with them. Those aren't the people that should be in your core. Proverbs 23 says, any fool can start arguments. The honorable thing is to stay out. Like circle that, underline that, like write it down, stay out of it. Whenever you see someone in the office that just wants to start stuff or someone in school that just wants to, to start something, stay out of it. It's the wise, honorable thing to do. The second person that'll break you is the gossiper. I know some of you are going, well, Colby, there goes all my friends right there. The gossiper. Did you know God hates gossip? Like he hates it. He says it's divisive. He says it's destructive. The Bible says the, the gossiper is the friend to the saboteur. So the gossiper wants to sabotage your relationships in your life. What is gossip? Let me give you a definition. Gossip is sharing information when you are neither part of the problem or a part of the solution. If you're not a part of the problem or the solution, stay out of it. Stay out of it. Just, just keep your, 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 your person out of it. Proverbs 20, 19 says, stay away from gossips. They can't keep a secret and they tell everything. It says, avoid the arguer, avoid the gossiper. In fact, here's just a pro tip about gossip. The, the people that will gossip to you are the same people who will gossip about you. Don't forget that. In fact, let me say this. If you're that person that says, well, Colby, they just always gossip to me. I don't know why it is, but they always come to me. You need to ask yourself why it is they come to you. Why they feel comfortable sharing with you. I think a lot of times, like, you're worse than the gossiper because you're the one that should have closed that door in the first place on that gossip. Are you with me? The Bible says stay away from the gossiper. They will break you. Here's a third one. The flatterer. Flatterer. Uh, what is flattery? It's false praise. It is insincere compliments. A flatterer is the, the kiss up at work, right, that says the right thing to the boss who schmoozes, who lays it on thick, and then, you know, behind their back is saying the exact opposite thing. That's the flatterer. They appeal to ego for personal gain. And when you see this happening, you see people flattering someone in the office place or at school, you know, so that they can get a part of the in crowd. The Bible says run from those people. It's a trap. Verse 29, five, flattery is a trap. Evil people get caught in it, but good people avoid it and are free. In fact, I don't have time to go too far into this, but the Bible also says that people who flatter you actually hate you. That flattery is hatred in disguise. In Psalm 62, you can go back and read it. It says, they praise me to my face, but they curse me behind my back. Or they curse me in their, their hearts. Do you know somebody like that in your life? They shouldn't be in your core. 
You get the flatterer out of your core. Number four, the rage monster. The Bible says a lot about people who have hot tempers, who are volatile, who, you know, have, have quick fuses, the rageaholic. Now, real quick, sin or, or anger is not a sin in and of itself, but how it's acted upon, you know, can lead to sin in our life. In fact, most people express anger in two different ways. Uh, you're either a, a turtle or a skunk. Did you know that? Turtles, an angry turtle. You ever seen an angry turtle? I don't know if I have. But angry turtles, they pull their head into the shell. They clam up. They go mute. They go silent. Skunks, what do skunks do when they get mad? They back their butt up and spray everybody and let everybody know, right, how mad they are. And so you're either one of those, those two. And the Bible says people who can't control their temper should not be in your core. They should not be the closest people to you. Proverbs 22, 24, don't make friends with hot-tempered people. They're volatile. It's, it's like you always have to walk on eggshells around them. They're likely to explode at the drop of a hat. Or don't associate with those who are easily angered. Why? Right here. Or you may become like them. You may rub off on you. Did you know that? That emotions are contagious? Anger is contagious. If all you do is hang around angry people all the time, guess what? You're going to be angry. If all you do is hang around bitter people all the time, you're going to be bitter. Depressed people, you're going to end up becoming like that. Don't hang out with those people. Otherwise, you'll become that way. Number five, let me give you one more to avoid. One more that will break us. And this one's tough. Uh, I went back and forth whether or not to bring you this one, but I'm going to bring it anyway. Believers who sin sexually. Notice I didn't say unbelievers. Believers who sin sexually. They should not be in your core. Why is that, Colby? Why, why not everybody? Here's a great principle to live by, and I, I encourage you to write this down. Don't expect unbelievers to live like believers until they are one. You can't, you can't attribute or ascribe, you know, this accountability to someone who has never had this encounter with Christ. The Bible says they, they can't live that way. In fact, the whole book of Romans is all about unless you have Christ living inside of you, there are some things you can't change in your life that you need, you know, God's spirit to live and work and move through you. So to expect someone to act like someone who has Christ in them when they don't is getting the cart before the horse. But God's word does say in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and through, through 11, it says, when I wrote to you before, I told you, don't associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. And when I told you that, I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin because you'd have to leave the whole world to avoid all of them. It's like, duh. What I meant was you're not to associate, verse 11 says, with anyone who claims to be a Christian that says they're a follower of Jesus, yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or is abusive, or is, a, a, you know, a drunk, gets drunk. He says, don't even eat with such people. Why? Because they're a bad witness. They should not be in your core. Now, real quick, I understand following Jesus is a journey. It's a process, right, of, of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ every single day. However, if you want to grow, those people cannot be in your core. They have the greatest impact on your life. They have the most influence on your life. I'm not saying you don't have close friends that are, are living there. I'm not even saying they're not Christians. I'm just saying if you want to grow, if you want to become better, 
then those people can't be your core friends. Those are a few different ones that will break us that the Bible says you should avoid having in your life. Again, that's not an exhaustive list by any means. But I want to focus on the positive. Like who is it that God says should make us? Who are, the, who are the friends that should be in our lives that will help to build us and grow us? So let's talk about your core friends. Because we only have room for a few of them, who, who should that be? What does that look like? What are our core friend criteria? Um, now, there's all kinds of important qualities to consider. I'm going to give you three. That's it. Three criteria for your core friends because I believe the Bible gives, gives special attention to these three. First is friends who strengthen you. Write that down. They strengthen you. And I would, I would say spiritually. Those who strengthen you spiritually. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage each other and give each other what? Strength. Give each other strength. Encourage one another. Strengthen each other. Now that's very different than giving compliments. There's a big difference, by the way, between a compliment and an encouragement. You know that, right? Like a compliment is usually shallow. A compliment could be something like, hey, Colby, you know, at just the right angle, you look a little thinner. I'm like, okay, I, th I think that's a compliment, maybe. That's not encouraging to me, right? Encouragements go deeper. Encouragements carry a little bit extra weight with them, a little more significance. Encouragements, uh, the dictionary defines as this way, the action of giving someone support or confidence, or hope, or very liter literally, to put courage into. Putting courage into you. I want to speak into your life. I want to strengthen your life. You need those people in your core. If you don't have anybody in your core group right now, that four or five that are closest to you, that will strengthen you, that will speak courage into your life, then you need to really evaluate who is there. Ask yourself, who are those people? The second kind of core friend that we should look for are those that simply show up. I mean, I'm talking about stick to itness. I'm talking about people who will, 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 will stay in your, your life. Proverbs 17, seven says, a friend loves you all the time. They're consistent with you and a brother helps you in time of trouble. Uh, it's been said that a real friend walks in when everyone else is walking out. I think that's on a Hallmark card somewhere. But it's true. That when you go through a tough season in your life, it's easy to identify who the real friends are, is it not? The people who will walk in and walk with you in that season versus the ones that walk out on you in that tough season in your life. So what, is it, what does it look like? What does that practically mean to walk in to somebody's life? Well, walking in is the difference between saying I'm here with you and I'm here for you. When you have someone who's going through a tough time and you say, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. I just want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. You know what that does? That puts the, the onus on them, the burden on them to reach out to you in their time of need. Saying, I'm, I'm for you. But a real friend who walks in is someone who says, I'm here with you you. I'm going to walk this thing with you. You're not reaching out to me. I'm going to be proactive and walk through this season with you. Right, you see the difference? In fact, there's a story in the Bible. I think it's 1 Samuel 4. Uh, it's of Jonathan or 7. Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan gets this idea, hey, we're going to go attack the Philistines. You know, in the middle of the night, we're going to climb up this cliff. And he says, we're going to attack them. The odds are, are basically one against 20. 
And he says, like, you want to come with me? And his armor bearer says, I am with you, heart and soul. That's a real friend. That's somebody you want in your core. Like, what a difference it would have made if the armor bearer had said, I'm for you. I'm just for you. Yeah, go ahead and do it. I'm for you. He didn't say that. He said, I am with you. Your core better have people that will show up in your life, that will be consistent in your life. Number three, here's the last one, are those who stretch you. And those who cause you to think. Those who challenge your, your perspective on things. And this is a tough one because a lot of times we don't want this in our life. We want our core. Where's my core? We want our core group of people to look like us, to think like us, to act like us, to enjoy the things that we do. And if that's all you ever surround yourself with, can I tell you something? Your world is going to be really small. It's going to be small. You're never going to expand your thinking. You're never going to broaden your thinking. You need people in your life who will challenge you and stretch you. Not people who, in your core, when they push against you, you push back against them and, and wonder why, hey, why don't you agree with me? After all, you know, you're my friend. You should agree with everything that, that I think. No, I need people in my core who are willing, not in an argumentative way, not in a judgmental way, but who are willing to call me on my stuff. You need that in your life. Can I tell you something? If you don't have people in your core that will call you on your stuff, like you're in trouble. Man, you need some people who will challenge you to thank you. Remember this, best friends better make you better. They better make you better. It's so easy to surround yourself with like-minded people. It's obviously the path of, of least resistance. But if you want rich, dynamic, meaningful, life-giving relationships, you better surround yourself with people who will challenge and stretch you to think. Write this down. My best friends should bring out the best in me. Your best friends should bring out the best in you. If they're not bringing out the best in you, they are not the best for you. Are you with me? So those are kind of the, the friends that will break us and the friends that will make us. So with the time I have left, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about how you become a great friend. Because in order to have great friends, you need to be a great friend, right? Like if you want great friends, you better learn how to be a great friend. You attract what you are. And I'm going to give you a few of these. Just kind of rapid fire to write these down. The first is be cheerful. You want to have great friends? Be happy. Smile. Right? Do you know how much power is in a, in a single smile? A smile can change the atmosphere. A smile can change the room. A smile, by the way, is, is a universal language. I mean, you can go to anywhere in the world and smile at somebody. It means the same thing as if you smile at somebody here, right? You don't have to speak the language. Just smile, and they will smile back at you. It's a universal language. Um, besides the international finger of disapproval, that's another universal language. But just smile at people. I mean, there's so much power, there's so much ability just to kind of lift someone up that's having a bad day if you would simply just smile. I think sourpuss Christians are an insult to the joy of God. You know how people that go around looking like they were baptized in hand sanitizer? You know what I'm talking about? Like, is anybody in this room happy today? Is anybody online at home, are you happy today? Are you grateful that God has saved you and set you free, does not hold your sins against you? Anybody happy? Then would you notify your face, please? Come on, tell your face how happy you are. 
You know, it takes, it takes seven muscles to smile. It takes 42 to frown. You're working too hard. Are you with me? Man, smile. Man, it just brings so much joy. If you want to be a great friend, you better be cheerful. Proverbs 15.30 says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. See, we tend to think that our heart has to change before we smile. But God says, if you smile, it'll change your heart. It can change your emotions. So just smile. Smile. Be cheerful. Number two, be comfortable. In other words, be comfortable with who you are. Be okay with the you that God created you to be. Well, Colby, if I'm me, then, then they might not like the real me. If they don't like the real you, they don't need to be your friends. They don't need to be in your core with you. Are you with me? Like, like if they don't like you for who you are, and if you are not okay with who you are, with God's design of you and how he created you, the fact that he knits you together, the fact that he calls you a masterpiece, right? Created in Christ Jesus, like, like you are valuable, you are important, you need to be comfortable with who you are. And the reality is if you don't love yourself, then, then you're not gonna be able to love someone else because you have to love yourself first. Not in like a, a prideful, oh, I love myself, you know, kind of way. That's not what the Bible says. Matthew twenty two thirty nine 39 says, the, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Are you with me? You can't do it. You have to be okay and comfortable with who God created you to be. Why is that, Colby? Because if I don't like me, I don't feel good about, about me, then I don't want you feeling good about you. You know any people like that? If I don't like who I am in this season, you know, and don't feel good, which is why anytime someone in your family, either a parent or an in-law, is constantly picking, 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 nagging, 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 you know what that is? That revealing is revealing one thing, that they are not happy with who they are. And so they're pushing back. Hurt people hurt people. Insecure people want others around them to be insecure. So whenever you have someone like that in your family that's just picking, picking, you know, complaining about everything, it's just a, an indication that there's a massive hurt in their heart and they need massive uh, doses of love. Are you with me? Man, just be yourself. Be comfortable with who you are. Be conversational. Real quick, number three, be conversational. Philippians 2, 4 says, don't just think about your own affairs. Be interested in others and what they are doing. In fact, here's a, a great secret to making friends. Write this down. Don't just be, um, the, the secret to making friends is be interested, not interesting. The biggest mistake that people make in trying to make friends is trying to present themselves as someone who's interesting. Hey, look at me. Look how cool I am. Look at, you know, look at, look at my hair. You know, look at my, you know, what, just look at, at me. Everybody wants to be like this guy, right? The most interesting man in the world. Actually, we got another one too. A little Photoshop right there. Like, look at me. I want to be like the Dosa Keys guy. You know, the most interesting man in the world. All right, you can take that down. Stop trying to be interesting, and start being interested. There are people that are, are hungry for someone just to be interested in them. Wow. And just to connect with them. And all too often, all we want to do is talk about ourselves. But if you'll just be interested in others and ask them questions, you'll make more friends in two months of being interested in people than you ever will in two years of being interesting yourself. Are you with me? Number, number whatever number this is, be considerate. <laughs> Told you I had a lot. Be considerate. 
This is simply listen well. Empathize with people. Um, if everybody in the world is lonely and is looking for someone just to be there with them, if you learn how to be a great listener, you will never lack for friends because people are dying to share what's going on in their life. Why? Because listening is, is loving. It's loving. When I, when I listen to you, I'm giving you the most valuable thing that I have. You know what that is? Time and attention. Whenever you take time, time is the most valuable thing you have. You'll never get any more of it. You can always get more money. You can always get more things. You can't ever get more time. And so if you sit with someone and you listen to them, you're saying, you are so important to me that I'm giving you the most valuable thing that I have, which is, by the way, what I feel about what you're doing right now. I, you're giving me time. You're giving me attention. I take that responsibility very seriously. I, I think it's a, a huge weight to, to lead a church of, you know, 2,000, you know, plus people because here's what I think. If I waste an hour of 2,000 plus people's time on a weekend, then I've effectively wasted 2,000 hours. And I don't want to do that, right? And I don't want you to do that because your time is your, your life. And so just be considerate to people. In fact, when husbands say things like, I don't know what my family wants, you know, I get them everything they want. They have everything that they need. What, what more do they want? Can I just tell you something? They want you, dad, husband. Like, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. And studies suggest, in fact, the most recent survey says the average dad spends seven seconds a day with their kids. That's not time. That's not attention. Right? Make sure that you are, are considered. James 1.19 says, let everyone... Be quick to listen and slow to speak. How many times do we get that in reverse? And we're quick to speak, but we're not very good listeners. Be considerate. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's empathy, by the way. There's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Empathy is, is, is saying, I'm, I'm weeping with you. Right, I'm gonna be in this, I'm hurting with you. In fact, there's a third level to that, which is what Jesus always demonstrated, which was compassion. Compassion says, I know you're hurting and I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to come inside of that hurt and take care of that hurt. Which aren't you glad that Jesus was compassionate on you? That he knew you were hurting, he knew you were broken, he knew you were far from God and so he gave everything to stop the hurting in our life. Now I'm so grateful that Jesus had compassion on us. So be considerate, be considerate. Here's, here's another one, be consistent. Again, this is about showing up, about sticking with people. Proverbs 18, 24, friends come and friends go. How many of you know that's true? But a true friend sticks by you like family. Hey, real quick, the most important people in your life are the ones that bear your last name. And so you better stick by them like family. So be consistent, show up in their life, be candid. Man, that's another great, like if you're gonna be a friend that tells someone the truth, in love, by the way. I'm not saying you tell somebody the truth, you know, just to be a jerk face to them. That does not give you a hall pass to be a jerk. And sometimes when you do tell the truth, it, it does sting a little bit. But a real friend tells the truth in a way that when the dust settles and the dust clears, that friend knows that you still love them and care for them and support them. So be it, you want to be somebody that's a great friend, you got to be a truth teller. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is a sign of true friendships. And of course, here's the last one, and that is just to be Christ-like. Man, I could have skipped all these and just said this one right here. 
if we will just simply look at Jesus as our model and be Christ-like. You know what it means to, to be Christ-like in a relationship? That is to love people without condition. I don't love you because. I don't love you when. I love you no matter what. In, in a world that, that is desperately seeking approval or, or elevates you know, people based on, 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 on their achievements in this world, when people know that you simply love them for who they are, can I tell you something? That's a game changer. You just love them unconditionally. You want to become a great friend, like you learn to love people that way. Romans 15 says, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. All the research shows, all the antidote to loneliness is a healthy friendship. In fact, uh, the vaccination for isolation is friendships. And you need this in your life. You better have a core group of friends who will strengthen you, who will support you, encourage you, lift you up, friends that will stay in your life and friends that will stick closer than a brother in your life. You better have that kind of friend in your life and you should learn to be that kind of friend as well. I would encourage you to do this. Make a list. Who are the core people in my life? Should they be there? Should someone else be there in my life? And then maybe go through those, those seven, eight, 25 things I gave you about how to be a great friend. Because if you want great friends, you have to become a great friend. This is not, by the way, just for parents to teach their kids. How many of adults know that you need this too? Man, we're terrible at making friends. I think the older we get, the harder it is for us to do this. So we need to teach our kids how to do this well. We need to be the model. I think one of the greatest ways to model this, how to be conversational with people, how to be considerate with people. One of the greatest places to model this is something called the family dinner. You know, that's gone the way of the dodo bird. People don't do it anymore. But the family dinner is where parents, you step up and you say, hey, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you questions. I'm gonna talk back and forth to you. This is way, where we can learn and give some of these values as parents. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me today? God, I pray a blessing over every family in this room. I pray that you would strengthen the friendships that we have. I pray that the most important people in our life would in fact be the people that bear our last name. And God, that we would demonstrate that every step of the way, every day, even when there's fighting. God, even when there are things that maybe we don't like, but let's be quick to forgive. Let's be Christ-like and love one another unconditionally. And God, I pray right now for people who feel lonely, who feel maybe isolated, who feel maybe they're a million miles away from you. And you came as a friend to sinners. You came to be Colby's friend. You came to be our friend. The Bible says that no greater love has anyone than this and a man give his life for his friends. And that's exactly what you did when you gave your life on the cross for me. There are people right now in this room, or maybe at home, wherever you're watching online, that you've never received that free gift of salvation that Jesus surrendered his life because he wanted to be your friend. A great friend, great friendships really even start with there. We can't be a great friend and do this until 
we understand what a friend looks like. And Jesus is our greatest model. And he came to set you free, to save you. And maybe you've never said yes to following Jesus. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Wherever you are, the way we do it is through prayer. And I'm going to give you uh, some language, but you can say it in whatever, you know, words that you want. The most important thing is that you believe it in your heart. Say something like this, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I can't say thank you enough that you would give your all for me. What a great friend that you are. And what a great friend you want me to be with you. And so today, Jesus, I repent of my sin, all the ways that I've messed up and the the wrong directions I've gone. And I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And from this day on, I'm going to put my hope and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.